Good morning, everybody, or I guess good afternoon uh, for most, uh, but it's good to see each and every one of you this day after Thanksgiving. Hope you all had a good day with family and friends, uh, just celebrating all the things that God has done. I mean, it's amazing how good he is to us, and so I want to thank you for being here with us for this Chochmah and Coffee Live. We are diving into some intense territory today, so buckle up. I want to invite on uh, my brother Jonah here. Jonah, how are you this morning? Doing good. Doing good. Good, good. And and we've just spent the last couple hours discussing this back off camera just so that when we talk to you, this isn't a three hour conversation. We I think we took almost the entire two hours really hashing this out. So hopefully we can bring this into a one hour episode uh, talking about Hebrews chapter 10 verses. Is it 26 through the end of the chapter? And they are intense. And you're not going to want to miss it. Because really the big question is, can we lose our salvation? And if not, what is this talking about? What are these verses talking about? And so we're going to be jumping into those. But before we do, let's talk about our, our uh, I guess, housekeeping. We've got this free Hofmeier and Coffee background, which if you're watching live, I actually haven't put it in the description yet. So you'll have to come back later <laughs> and grab it. Uh, man, I can't believe I slacked on that. But that's going to be in the description for those who are watching the replay. Also, we have this cool mug club. Now, next week, we're going to be launching a new mug. So you're going to want to watch that as well. And then we also have a huge giveaway. We're giving away an open Bible. That's a really nice one. We're going to be giving away two courses and a book. If you want more info, watch that video. I'll also, after we are done going live, put that in the description. And then I want to say a huge thank you to those who have supported us for a very long time. We got Judy Murphy, Gary Pence. We've got Maggie Diaz, Kathy Earnhardt, and Cindy Erickson. Without you guys, this wouldn't be possible. It really wouldn't. And so thank you guys for your support. But with that being said, we're gonna I think it's time to jump into this intense text what do you think Jonah let's do it are you ready are you ready and so maybe before we jump into the text I think we should discuss presuppositions okay and so if you are a beginner Bible student you might not have heard of presuppositions if you're more advanced you probably have heard of presuppositions and our need to recognize them Whenever you come to the text, you and I, we have to realize we have presuppositions, meaning things we already believe are true that we bring into the text of Scripture. And some are good and some are bad. But the biggest thing is we have to recognize them. You know, we got to realize that we are already assuming something. And so Jonah and I, as we come to this text, we are already assuming we can't lose our salvation. And we recognize that. That's a presupposition. And you say, well, how how are you presupposing that? The Bible says no scriptures of any private interpretation. You can't bring a scripture privately apart and interpret it by itself, which means all of scripture has to be linked together. So this scripture can't contradict all the other scriptures in the Bible. And so uh, we've already seen clearly that when you are saved, you receive eternal life. And he says, and they shall never perish. So if you receive eternal life, you can't perish. You can't lose it. We've also seen uh, other scriptures where it talks about you can't lose your salvation. Uh, Jonah, do you have any that come to the top of your mind about our eternal security? Yeah. So there's, like you already said, eternal life. If if you can never perish, and I don't even need to reiterate <laughs> what you said, um, but I mean, oh, snap. I am. This no, is it's, bad. No, it's, it's, there's, it's, there's just so many proofs 
in the, in the New Testament about how we can't lose our salvation. So eternal life's one. But I mean, if you look at <laughs> Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter oh, yeah, one, about, yeah. you know, it talks about how we're sealed. We are sealed uh-huh. with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is the down payment. And, and so if we have the down payment, it's proof that God's going to finish it. Also, Paul, he says, he that begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's like, if he began it, he's going to complete it. We're predestined once we're saved. You know? So there's so many. I know, I put you on the spot there. It's like, hey, yeah, no. go on for it. <laughs> I, also, I also like uh, the idea of uh, Ephesians 2. Yeah. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of it's not of works. And yeah. so I always like to ask someone, did you have to do anything for your salvation? No, I've never had to do anything for my salvation. Okay, so can you do anything to lose your salvation? Well, yeah, wait, you couldn't do anything to get it, so how can you do anything to lose it? Yeah. And so it's not of works. And so if we can work our way out of it, you know, it's like, wait, did you work your way into it? I like that. I like that argument. And so these are things that we are bringing to this text because it's in the Bible as a whole. And so we are assuming that this is not contradicting all of those other passages, which, which clearly state, if you are truly saved, that salvation is forever. It's eternal life. It is predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. All those things we talk about, you're sealed until the day of redemption. So we're just going to bring those into the text. So I'm just going to tell you our, 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 uh, our bias, we already recognize it. We have it in our mind. We know why we are bringing this bias to this text. And it's something just as you study your Bible for yourself, recognize your presuppositions and know why you believe them. And so that's our presupposition. And so we're going to dive into the text. Are you ready, Jonah? Is there any other thing we need to talk about before we dive in here? Uh, I think uh, we're ready to go. Okay. Okay. And so, so for everybody, if you're just joining us, if this is your first episode of Hochman Coffee, welcome. Hochma means wisdom in the Hebrew, and so we're just here to get wisdom from God's word. Now, if you're just joining us, you might not understand, we have been journeying through Hebrews together, and there's a big flow of thoughts. And I guess the big flow, the big push is this, don't leave Jesus. Don't go back to Judaism. These are Hebrew believers who are tempted to forsake Christianity, to forsake Jesus, to go back to go back to Judaism. And so with that in mind, he has just shown us so many reasons why Jesus is better than the old covenant. He said he's better than the angels in chapter one. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than uh, the Levitical priesthood. He offered a better sacrifice in a better temple. So we've seen so much about why Jesus is better. And so this is what's called a warning passage. A warning passage, there's five of them in the book of Hebrews. This is number four. And so this is going to be intense, and it's meant to be intense. And so let's read this first section together. I think it's maybe verses 1 to verse number 32. Oh, not verse 1, verse 26 to verse 32. This is the first section here. And so let me see what uh, Brother Gary just said before I start reading here. We cannot lose our salvation, but if we do not submit, life will be difficult. And that's the truth. And we're going to actually see that in this passage here. So let's, let's dive into this. Thank you for that comment. So let's look at verse 26. It says this, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye that shall be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, 
and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that saith, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, a, of the living God. Woo! What a section of verses. This is meant to scare everybody, really. It's meant to be scary. And I think he accomplished, I think he accomplished his job. And so as we jump into this, remember, I'm just going to erase this drawing here for a second. Uh, remember this, okay? So he says there's no more sacrifice for sins. And, and I just want to bring us back up here to verse number 10. This is the same argument. He's just bringing it to a head. He tells us that because of Jesus, he offered himself once for all, once for all. And so he's continuing this saying, because Jesus is that complete sacrifice, there is no more sacrifice for sins. No more sacrifice for sins. So we're going to dive into this section. And uh, Brother John, shalom. Good to see you. Glad you're here with us. Now, Jonah, I don't know if you want to jump in first. This is, I mean, this is the tough section and we can kind of bounce back and forth here. Sure. Um, but maybe, maybe you can give us a couple ways this could be interpreted and still be uh, not losing our salvation. Maybe one, maybe two, if you want to bring some of that out to the forefront. Yeah. What are you thinking? So, again, just a little bit of the context because he has to keep it where it is inside of oh, Hebrews. Yeah. Um, obviously, the beginning of the chapter saying Christ is the better sacrifice, as you've already said. But then starting in verse 9, he is uh, really starting to go into some application. Um, because Christ is better than everything that we've discussed over the last seven, eight chapters, um, we can have boldness now to go into the Holy of Holies. He's now saying, hey, let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance in verse 22. Let us hold fast the profession of faith. Let us consider one another to provoke others to good works. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He's doing all these uh, practical application of yep. because Christ is better than all this thing. Let's have this full assurance. Let's have this confidence and let's assemble. And so then now in verse 26, he's saying because. Because if we sin, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth mo no more sacrifice for sins. If you are tempted to mm, forsake the assembling and you want to go back to Judaism or some other kind of religion, man, there, there's no one else who can die for your sins. If you go back to shedding the blood of bulls and goats and go back to Judaism, there, we've there's already told there. you though. Yeah, you can't make you perfect. And so there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to be saved. And that's for from the uh, sacrifice of Christ. And so I do believe this is where, uh, as we continue in this passage, it's going to start getting hairy. Are they talking about <laughs> someone who was never saved? And so this is where the presuppositions comes in. Um, I, we don't believe that these people are saved and lose their salvation. Right. And so there's there's either they're not saved and they're going to uh, have to endure eternal damnation or they are saved and there's going to be extreme punishment or chastisement in this life as kind of what uh, Brother Gary said. If we don't submit, we can't lose our salvation, but our life will be terrible. And let's talk about both of these and let's give biblical evidence that both of these people exist. Okay, so first of all, the first one would be kind of what we call an apostate. And they were never really saved, but they act like they were. And the one that comes to mind would be Simon Magus or Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts. He's someone that Philip thought was saved. Uh, he really thought this dude had converted and was saved. Yet 
Peter comes and after he lays hands on people and they receive the spirit, Simon's like, give me that power. And Simon says, you don't have any part with us. Like you are not really saved. You're just here for the power. And so he was cast out. He looked like a Christian. He was a part of the, the local church there. And he continued with them for a while, but it became evident later on that his faith wasn't genuine, even though for a while he looked saint, for a while he looked like he was a part of it, but he was never truly a believer. John also says this, and I believe it's in, it's when one of the John, first John, second John, uh, maybe you can look that verse up for us when it says that they went out from us because they weren't of us. And he was trying to tell the people at the church there, hey guys, I know there's some people who left Christianity, but here's the truth about them. They left, they didn't leave Jesus, you know, they didn't leave their salvation. They left because they were never of us. They were never truly one of us. Did you find the verse? Yeah, First John 2, 19. First they went John out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Right. So, so those are apostates. Those, that's one. They, they looked saved, but they never truly were. And so they actually leave. That's one way we could take this, but there's also another. Let's say they are saved, okay? They are saved, uh, but they leave or they do something wrong. Uh, that's this bad. Uh, we see in 1 Corinthians, I believe, is it 1 Corinthians 5.5 5 or something like that? It's around there where it talks about deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his soul may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. Did you find that one? Is that? 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. So you guys can look that up. But he says there is a certain type of person as well that his life is delivered to destruction, like in complete destruction by Satan, but that his soul may be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. And so if you forsake Jesus, you, it can be very serious. If you are an unbeliever, it's eternal destruction. If you are a believer, it could be, we're just saying it could be, this could be taken both ways, that this is that destruction of the flesh that your soul might be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. And either way, it's very intense. So we just want to put both of those options out there before we continue in here. So the question we had to ask was, who is this? Like, who's the one who's sinning willfully? Is it a believer or unbeliever? We said, if it's a believer, this destruction is chastisement. It's chastisement, intense, intense destruction of the flesh. And he also pulls on it in chapter 12, which we'll get there. Um, chapter 12 talks about whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And uh, Jonah, I think you and I, and probably every believer watching this, we've had to go through times where God has had to deal with us as sons, right? Amen. And he says, I believe it's in, in Hebrews 12, he also talks about, it's not pleasant when it's happening. It's not pleasant. It hurts. Um, but, but it's something that shows we are the children of God. So it could be talking about that. I lean towards his real emphasis being apostates, those who look saved, but really aren't, like Simon Magus. Jonah, what's your initial leaning before we go on? Do you have an initial leaning? Are you kind of holding both in tandem? I... There, there. Oops, sorry if that was really loud. I just hit the mic. Um, I tend to lean more towards uh, they aren't truly saved for a couple of reasons. One of them, you have to keep imagining uh, this. This is a, this is a letter to the scattered believers, um, and so I kind of we kind of mentioned this when we were talking earlier of the penman is writing it in general to the scattered believers, uh, the Jewish believers. And so I kind of mentioned when, when you go to church and the pastor is preaching God's word, yeah, he's going to be, he's, he's intending it to go 
to believers. Obviously, we know churches, there's going to be unsaved people there, uh, and they might be directed some things towards unbelievers or whatever. Or, uh, yeah, but he's glory. preaching. Yeah, but he's preaching. Uh, churches uh, called out assembling of saved, baptized believers. And so uh, he's intending, okay, the majority are going to be saved believers. And so I think this is the intent of this yeah. letter going out to the saved believers. And so he's saying these things, and I think these are meant to be towards believers. And so he says, if we do this, though, um, if I, I believe everyone's saved, but I don't know everyone's heart. Right. As just as you, when you're preaching God's word from the pulpit every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you don't know what's actually going on in someone's heart. You're just giving them God's word and say, I, I from your guys' profession, you guys say you're saved. I don't know that though. I'm right. just going to preach. But we've always been, we've been in church services when the pastor's preaching or the evangelist is preaching and like, he's saying these things. How does he know what's actually going on? He doesn't. He's just preaching <laughs> God's word. And so this is what I'm kind of envisioning when he's saying, hey, Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Yeah. Let's do this. Because if we do do that, man, it's, it's not going to be good. And so when someone's listening to this and they're not really saved, they're starting to be like, who told this guy what yeah. I'm actually living? And so um, that's why I think, yeah. It's uh, meant to I, scare, I lean, especially unbelievers who are yeah. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the assembly, who are like Simon Magus, who maybe thought this was a cool fad to be a part of. Maybe they thought, you know, my friends are doing this. I'm going to do it too. I, I don't know what their reasoning was, but it's meant to scare them that if they go back and they leave Jesus, there's no, there's no other sacrifice. He is the only one. Because look at this. Let's keep going on because I love that. It says, but a th there's no more sacrifice, but a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversary. So for those who are saved, it could be the destruction of the flesh like we talked about. But for those who are apostates, this is not good. And he's trying yeah. to scare even believers. Like if you leave, it could be saying you're not a believer. Like John, like John said, they went out from us because they weren't of us. So be, be warned. If you leave, maybe you were never saved or there's going to be intense chastisement coming your way. So either way, it's not good. If you are a believer, don't leave. And if you're a faker, don't leave either. And this is the weird thing. Don't leave if you're a faker because there ain't nothing out there. Okay. He no. says, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And remember, we've just spent like this entire book trying to show Jesus is better and the New Testament is better. And so he said, okay, so let's talk about the, uh, the Old Testament that was not as good as the New Testament. And if under the Old Testament, somebody died when they despised Moses' law, and then he goes on, of how much sore punishment suppose he shall he be thought worthy? And look at this. This is meant to turn your stomach. Who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, who hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. And here, if it's an unbeliever, we'll let's just explain that for a second. Sanctified means set apart. So Simon, Mag Simon Magus was set apart from the world when he joined the church. He was saying, I'm not identifying with everybody else. I'm, dying with, I'm identifying with this body of believers. Set apart. He said, you were set apart to this new covenant when you joined this assembly. It says an unholy thing. And this word unholy means common. It means not, not, not unclean. That's one stage. There's unclean, there's common, and then there's holy. He says you don't view God's sacrifice as holy. You view it as common, just worthless, just normal, run-of-the-mill, everyday stuff. He says you view the blood of the covenant an unholy thing, and you do despot unto the spirit of grace. Now, Jonah, you defined that for us earlier. It's, you said it's insult. Yeah. It? You insult the spirit 
of grace. This is the sin. This is that willful sin. It's willfully saying, Jesus, your sacrifice is nothing. Can you, like it's supposed to turn your stomach. Somebody saying, Jesus, your sacrifice is literally worth zero zilch. It's just average run of the mill everyday stuff. Like even just saying that right now, it turns my stomach. I I hate even saying that online because it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And he's warning them saying, if somebody despised Moses law, they were, they received intense punishment. How much worse do you think it will be for somebody who takes the gift God gave, which is his only begotten son, and he died on the cross in such agony to rescue us, and you say, it's nothing. I'll trot it under my feet like salt that's lost its savor. Worthless. It's worthless. I will look at the blood that Jesus shed as a common thing. It's, eh, I've seen better. I've seen better. Like, I don't know. I'm getting goosebumps now just saying it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And he's trying to say, that's what you're saying when you leave Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you are a Christian and you say, I'm going to go to the world and live my way and I don't care about Jesus. Like we've seen many people deconvert. We've seen many people who say, you know, what what do they call that nowadays? Uh, Deconstruction. Deconstruction. You know, we've seen that with all these megachurch pastors, I'm no longer a Christian. We've seen it, you know, with, with many famous Christian YouTubers, you know, and they say, I'm, I'm not really a Christian, all those things. Friends, that's a dangerous, scary, scary place to be because what they're saying is Jesus' blood is just, nah. It's scary, scary, scary place to be. And so, friend, he's trying to warn us that if you leave Jesus, this is what you are doing. It's, it, you can't whitewash it. You cannot whitewash it and say, no, I'm just, you know, exploring other options. He's like, no, if you leave Jesus as a believer or unbeliever, and you've been a part of the church, like Simon Magus was, you were part of the assembly and you've seen God's goodness in the assembly. You've seen his life change, not maybe in yourself, but in others around you. And you've seen the generosity. You've seen how good Jesus is. And then you leave this is what you're doing. Don't lie to yourself. Don't say you're just exploring other options. Don't say that you're just, your eyes were enlightened. No, no, no. You are doing this. And he says, this is a scary place to be. Cause look, he says, you're doing this against the person who said, vengeance is mine. Okay. So you are trotting Jesus under your foot and remember the father, remember the father who gave his son. I can't, I, like if somebody, if, if I gave my son for somebody and then they say, that's ah, nothing. You better believe I'm, I'm not going to be happy. G- God sent his son and he says, he that honoreth the son honoreth the father also. And if you trod Jesus underfoot, the one that is the beloved one, he says, this is my beloved son. That's who I love in him. I'm well pleased. And you trod him underfoot friend. This, this word here is scary. Vengeance belongs to him. Remember you're offending him. The one who said vengeance is mine. And then look at this last section. Jonah, you said it reminds you of uh, Jonathan Edwards, right? Mm-hmm. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. He says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Friend, this is not meant to be a tiptoe through the tulips, right? This is meant to scare believers and unbelievers alike. Don't leave Jesus. Don't leave Jesus. Don't leave Jesus. Friends, this is a serious sin a serious sin. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, especially, especially if you've done all this right here that we've just talked about. What do you want to say about this, Jonah? 
Uh, I think uh, you covered uh, covered it very well. It doesn't. I know a lot of people may get caught up. Well, is this talking about believers or unbelievers? I think regardless of who it's talking about, it's bad. Yeah. Um, and so, again, we we came. We're we're still viewing it through our presupposition. We have to, um, because when we don't. Well, if it's believers, are they losing their salvation? Now you're combining the two parties there. And so I, I just think, though, both parties, you're in trouble if, if you do this willful. Oh, so bad. Well, that's it. for. No, I'm kidding. That's a bell. He's at the school there, and the uh, school's not in, but the bells still are working. Uh, but we saw here, uh, Gary said, Oswald Chambers called sin blatant mutiny against God. It's true. It's true. That is what it is. But I love what you said, Jonah, is either way, it's bad. Either way, it's bad. Uh, friend, there were some who took the Lord's table unworthily in Corinthians. And Paul said, for that, for that cause, some are sick among you and many have fallen asleep, meaning died. When you treat God's things as common, it's dangerous ground. For believers, oh, it's not good. Destruction of the flesh that you may learn not to, bl- it's not good. Also, I'm telling you also for unbelievers, this is, this is even scarier because for believers, at least your soul will be saved in the resurrection or whatever. It's not good, but it's still, at least there's that for unbelievers. If you are a fake believer and you leave Jesus, oh, friends, please don't, please don't. There's no other sacrifice for sins. Jesus is the only way. And so that's the warning. That's the warning. But he transitions here, right, uh, about here in verse 32, away from this warning and into basically a comfort and exhortation based on the warning. So now I think the first, you know, from 26 to 31, it was really aimed at both unbelievers who are faking it in the church and genuine believers tempted to go back to Judaism. He's aimed at both of them and telling them, don't go back. Now, verse 32, I think he's turning his mind strictly to real believers, strictly to real believers. Because look at what he says. He says, but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, look at this, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used or that also were going through those afflictions. And look at the companions. Uh, For ye had compassion on me, uh, of me in my bonds, which makes it sound very Pauline, makes it sound like this was Paul. It sounds like a very Pauline say to say. He said, guys, remember you, you, you've come so far. This is kind of how I imagine him saying it. You guys have come so far already. You have endured afflictions already. You have gone through hard times already. You guys had compassion on me in my bonds. And you also had uh, the same kinds of afflictions in you. And the reason why you did it, I'm going to bring up the drawing again, because this is so delicious. The reason why you did it is because, look at this, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance, which is a beautiful link right down here, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, We're not there yet, but that is a beautiful link that I hope we'll explore next week. But he says, you guys have a better enduring substance in heaven. And because of that, cast not away your confidence. He's like, keep going because you have a great reward. 
you have a great reward. And so here he's trying to, again, remember, these, these Jewish people are tempted to return. They're tempted to go back. And he says, guys, look at what you've already endured. You've already had to endure hardship. You've already had to endure persecution. You've linked up with me. You've linked up with somebody else who's been going through hard times. And you joyfully allowed your goods to be spoiled by others because you know it doesn't matter what they take from me on earth. I've got a better reward in heaven. And so he's trying to tell them, don't look back at Judaism. Look forward to the prize. Don't look back at where you where you could return to. Look forward to the great reward that's coming in heaven. Jonah, what do you want to say about these verses? Yeah, because even just reading these uh, few verses, um, it's this past tense. You've already experienced these afflictions. Um, I mean, you guys have already been scattered abroad, and so uh, you already know what persecution is like. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give up because, I mean, you guys have enjoyed it. You you, you took joyfully the spo- uh, spoiling of your goods because you already know. I'm just reminding you. You already know this stuff. And we've heard preachers say, hey, I'm just reminding you of certain things that you already know. Yeah. This is what he's doing. Hey, you might have because it's so easy to forget some of these things when you're in the thick of the moment, when you are. You're saying, why am I even doing this? Uh, This didn't ever happen before I believed in Christ. Maybe I should just go back. No, 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 no. Just remember, this is just temporal stuff. When this is all over, it will be worth it all as we we sing. Oh, and that's so good. I love that because there are so many people who get saved and life gets hard. And then they're tempted to, to leave Jesus and leave all that behind. And he's trying to tell them, no, friends, it gets better from here. Like you did this because you know that there's a better, a better uh, inheritance awaiting you, a better, more enduring substance awaiting you. And he says that that's why you shouldn't cast away your confidence. Don't leave Jesus because there's something better waiting for you. And look at verse 36. For ye have need of patience, which is the ability to endure under the hardship for the long haul. He's like, you need that patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Friend, the reward is after. And I want to encourage you, if you're going through a hardship in life right now, remember the reward is coming. The reward is coming. So endure, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Cause look at verse 37 for yet after a while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He's again reminding them guys, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and he's not going to tarry. Look at verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. Okay. Let's pause here. Cause this is delicious. This is actually a quotation modified, uh, from was it Habakkuk that we were looking at and yeah. Habakkuk This is actually an interesting quotation because the thing that was coming and will not tarry in Habakkuk chapter two is judgment from the Chaldeans. And God was telling Habakkuk, Habakkuk, it's coming and it's not going to tarry. And so write it down so that they who read it may run, right? So the judgment from the, from the Babylonians is coming, write it down so that people who read it can run away and it's coming, even though it might take a little while, maybe a year, maybe 10 years. This is going to happen, and so write it down, and you'll have to live by faith. You'll have to live by faith in my words if you're going to do this. And so he's quoting that, and instead of judgment from the Chaldeans, this is Jesus coming back. This is Jesus coming back, and he says, guys, in the same way it was certain that the Chaldeans were going to destroy Judah and Jerusalem, it is certain Jesus is coming back. And, and, And so if we're going to continue, we'll have to continue. We'll have to live by faith, not by sight. 
You can't see Jesus back right now. You have to live by faith in his word, in his revealed word that he is coming again. Live by faith the same way your grandparents did. Like they had to, if they were going to be saved, they had to run away from the city, right? That's, that took faith in the words of God. All right. I don't see the judgment here yet, but I'm going to run to salvation. I'm going to believe by faith God's word. He says the same thing is true for you. Live by faith that Jesus is coming again. Don't go back. And that's why he says here, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, which just means destruction, which could be destruction of the flesh for believers or eternal destruction for for those who are not saved, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Look at this picture from Habakkuk. They were meant to run, right? If they believed the words of Habakkuk, which were the words of God, they were meant to run. But there might have been someone there who, as their family was getting to run, looked around them kind of like Lot or kind of like Lot's wife. And they said, you know what? This is where my family is. And I don't really know if the destruction is really coming. Why would I leave my business? Why would I leave my friends? Why would I leave my home to go somewhere I don't even know for, for maybe a salvation that won't even come? And they draw back. All their friends, you guys go. But they draw back for the destruction the destruction that's coming. Friend, he says, don't be that way. Instead, by faith, trust God's salvation, which in this context is Jesus himself. Stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. He is coming back for destruction for those who don't believe, but for salvation for us who do believe. So Jonah, I just kind of rambled on there. I didn't let you kind of comment on this, but what are some things that you want to, to, to chat about here? Oh, I just also see uh, just in relation to the Verses up top, hey, have patience, endure, um, because, first of all, there's that promise that he is returning. I think yeah. that's also, um, you can have patience because it's been promised. He yeah. will come and will not tarry, but how are you going to get through these hard times? Because just knowing that he's going to come back, it doesn't get rid of these, but you can endure by faith. By faith. If you didn't have faith that he was returning, you would just say, I give up. I'm just yep. going to, I'm just going to stop. But you can endure through patience and with patience through faith that it's only for a season. It's only for a moment. Uh, I the just shall live by faith. I'm not going to draw back because I want to be that faithful servant for when he does come, when, when he does come back, I want to not be like that unfaithful servant who when, yeah. that, when he wasn't looking and his, his master came, uh-oh, that's yeah. not, not. And so he's saying, hey, have patience, endure, patience. and just have faith that he is returning. And here's the, here's the thing. We're going to link it to our next talk. But, but he is trying to tell them to endure by faith. And then look at what he does in chapter 11. Many of you have read Hebrews chapter 11, have meditated on chapter 11. And the reason why is because it's encouraging. It talks about all of those who lived by faith. And this is what, this is the beautiful thing that the author of Hebrews and God is saying to us, when you live by faith, you are just like all of these others. When you live by faith and that's, it's just enduring, staying with Jesus, right? You're moment Mm -hmm. by moment, staying with Jesus, even though persecution is all around you. He says, when you do that, when you live by faith, he says, you're going to be like Abel. You're going to be like Moses. You're going to be like Noah. You're going to be like Abraham. You're going to be like Jacob. You're going to be like Isaac. You're going to be like Sarah. You're going to be like Enoch. And, and, and we think, no, no, no. They are so much greater than I am. They are giants of the faith. He says, no, 
No, if you just stay with Jesus, despite everything going around you and you don't leave, you're just like them. You are walking in faith like they did. And that's why chapter 12, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We're in the same race, friends, as Abraham. We're in the same race as Noah. And the race is this, trust God. Trust him moment by moment, walk in faith. Live by faith. Even though you don't see it all around you and you see all the hardships, you're not looking at the material realm. You're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Your eyes are on the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's, that's all coming. We're, I'm just quoting from the future of Hebrews. But that's what he's trying to get us to say is, guys, endure. Stick with Jesus. Don't go back. Because it's so much better ahead. And you've got good company around you as you walk in faith. You're not doing it alone. Jonah, what else do you want to say before we wrap this up? I think that this was fun. I enjoyed yeah. this. And you just said that the theme of Hebrews, you just said the future is far better. Mm. And so we've been looking at how Christ was better than all these things. Yeah. But we can endure all this because when he returns, everything will be far better. Far better. Far better. Oh. So friends, maybe this is our exhortation for today. Endure, have patience, stay with Jesus. If your family's falling apart, stay with Jesus. If you're being persecuted at work, stay with Jesus. If you don't feel like you fit in, stay with Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, stay with Jesus, be patient, have patience, endure, because you know you're, it's, it might be hard right now, but you're walking not by sight, by faith, that he's coming again, and it's gonna be far better for you in the future. Don't draw back, don't go back, stay with Jesus. So I think that's kind of- Partly, oh, whilst you were made- Wow, that was quite <laughs> the ending there. Man, wow, that blasted my ears. If you're watching with headphones on, I'm sorry. I don't even know what my sleeve just touched, but now I know that this can read it to me. So that's cool. <laughs> All right, so uh, with that in mind, let's go to the comments here and see what's going on. And if you have questions right now, feel free to comment them. We've got a few more minutes left. So if you have questions, you want us to revisit something, uh, please comment that below. But I'm going to look through these and see what's going on here. Uh, speaking as one who has been taken to the woodshed by the Lord, I can tell you it's not fun. <laughs> I, I agree with you there. It is, it's definitely, it's not a fun activity. Uh, man. I'm not going to share any stories of my own spiritual woodshed experiences because they are very personal, but I can agree with you. It's not fun when he has to, has to take us to the woodshed. Oh, the most beautiful woman in the world commented right here. This is my wife, folks, by the way. Uh, <laughs> a good reminder to stay faithful. That is true. I mean, I, I'm telling you, when I read those first few verses, it made me sick. When we, when we leave Jesus, it's terrible. But when we stay with Jesus, there's a bright future. What a good reminder to stay faithful. Thanks for that. Let's look at this one. Patience, the most difficult quality to cultivate. And mm. it's so truly spoken. Because the only way we cultivate patience is difficulty. I mean, and that's the only way. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that James 1? Mm -hmm. He says, count it all joy when you fall into those different hardships, the diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience and let patience have his, her perfect work that you may be perfect. It's true. It's the hardest one. And I always hear Christians saying, don't pray for patience because then a hard time's coming. But again, our entire Christian walk is supposed to be a patient walk of enduring hardness, knowing what's coming. And so 
I understand the, the sentiment of not praying for patience because it's not fun to go through hard times. But the patience that it works in us is beautiful. It's worth it all. Uh, Miss Roseanne, oh, it's good to see you this morning. Roseanne, amen, amen. The word is so good. Let's look at Brother Gary here again. God doesn't tell us everything. Uh, many Christians tend to fear the unknown rather than exercise faith. Yeah. And, I, and it might be, it might be, let's comment on this for a second. It might be an American thing. It might be a human thing. Um, but I think especially as Americans, we are very control oriented. We feel because we're free, we can control our lives and we are able to, what's that poem? I am the captain of my soul. I am the something of my fate. We feel that about ourselves. We feel I get to make my life. I get to do what I want to do. And so when we aren't in control and God brings trials and hardships our way, we feel like it's, we have to write that. Maybe that means leaving Jesus and it makes us uncomfortable, not knowing why it's here or how to get out of it. Uh, but we have to just walk by faith. We don't know how this is going to be resolved, but we just keep trusting Jesus, keep trusting Jesus. Oh, now we have some conversations going on. They're awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Let's say here, uh, what, preach. One of my pet peeves is when people say not to pray for patience, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a gift. It really is. It's hard to go through. I mean, mm. we could say the same thing about humility. Like, should we really pray for humility? Yeah, we got to humble ourselves <laughs> under the mighty hand of God. And it might take some humbling experiences to become humble, but the fruit is way worth the journey. And so that's awesome. If you guys have any other comments or questions, feel free to drop them. It looks like you're about to say something, Jonah. Yeah. And even though I think it's important that we pray for patience, it almost is like we don't even have to, because if we are living like Christ, difficulties will come. And if we just continue to live like yeah. the Bible teaches us, that's going to grow our patience because this is trying our faith. And so, yeah. um, I mean, it's it's obviously good still to pray for it, but it, it will work our patience. It will work our faith if we just continue living for God. So. And I think often when people are praying for patience, they're already in the trial usually, yeah. right? And they're just asking God, help me endure, help me mm -hmm. endure. And so that's a good yeah. thing. I mean, oh, yeah. we should be asking God, this is tough right now. And I'm tempted to doubt you. I'm tempted to do this. Help me. Kind of like mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that man who came to Jesus, I believe, help mm -hmm. thou mine unbelief. God, I'm trusting yeah. you right now but I need you to help me. I really need you to, to strengthen my faith at this moment because the truth is none of us are perfect. <laughs> First raise my hand. <laughs> yes. So when trials come, I'm going to be honest with you. There've been times I'm like, God, why are you doing this to me? Like yeah. I've been serving you faithfully and we can get into that Job mindset. God, why, why are you doing this to me? And God has to come in that whirlwind and say, answer me. All right. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Can yeah. you make the sun rise? Like you did with Job. I'm like, oh, okay, God, yeah, yeah I, I get it. We just trust you. We just walk. Yeah. We don't know why. Like Gary said, we just trust you. We just trust you. Mm -hmm. Other thoughts, Jonah? No, I like it. I, I like how you uh, mentioned all that because, man, just we need that patience even while we are in the trying of our faith. Yeah. God help me. Because, yeah, I, I think Job was saying what was on his heart. Why is this happening? But God had to remind him. Yeah. Right? But he was literally, Job was saying what we might be saying. Lord, I don't understand. This is crazy. But that's when we say, Lord, I just need that patience. I need to just trust you. So I love it. I think that's a good way to end today. And, and next week, Lord Billing will be diving into the Hall of Faith. And that's the culmination of all we've been talking about is trust God. Verse 1 began, 
the God who at sundry times and in diverse manners revealed himself unto the, you know, the people by the prophets and all those things. But now in these last days that he's revealed himself in his son, he says, trust Jesus, because that's how God has revealed himself. Trust, trust, trust. Don't go back. Trust. And here we're going to see faith. That's how we keep going. That is the fulfillment of our Christian walk is faith in Jesus. So we'll be talking about that, Lord willing, next week. But I do want to ask, if you have thoughts on where we should go next in our Hochman coffee journey, comment those. Jonah mm-hmm. and I, before we're discussing, because we're nearing the end of Hebrews, where should we go next? Uh, I had some ideas. I thought uh, we can go to an easier book. I don't know what an easier book is, but we can go to an easier book and just kind of take a break from intensity, or we can just go continue in the fire and go to like a revelation. I don't know. Uh, I'm throwing that out there. And that's going to be a challenging one, but it'll be a fun study. But if you have a thought of where we should go next in Hochmein Coffee, comment those below. We'll look at those. And maybe after we get a few different ideas, we'll put a poll out for everybody to vote on. Um, but thank you guys for being with us today. I pray this was a blessing. It was a blessing to study. So I enjoyed it. Jonah, I enjoyed conversating with you about it. I feel mm-hmm. like I understand this passage a lot better And I also feel a lot nearer Jesus knowing what he went through, you know, like seeing what happens if we leave him, it makes me just feel even closer to him not leaving. Like, I don't want to, I don't ever want to disrespect Jesus in that way. And so thanks for studying it with me, Jonah. And thanks all for the comments and everything. It was a joy to Mm -hmm. have you all here with us. And for those watching the replay, thanks for being here. But we will see you guys, Lord willing, next Friday. And I think next Friday is going to be early again. And so we'll see you bright and early at 6 a.m. We'll talk to you guys later.